I think yeah. intentional friendships. Intentional, intentionally seeking out friendships, I think, is huge. So many of us, especially with social media, we just like think that it will just happen someday Mm -hmm. especially as adults and then you become an adult dealing with this right now living in a new city oh that's hard it's it's shitty but (laughs) (laughs) to put it plainly to put it bluntly and making friends as an adult is miserable but I Mm -hmm. love what you're saying about connection really does heal a lot a lot of wounds because that's how we were meant to be like when humans were put on this earth you know everybody was together freaking time. Welcome to the Almond Pod. Today I have Monica Moore Smith with me and this is so exciting because I'm a very huge ginormous Monica Moore Smith fan. (laughs) Monica is an actress, she's a model, she's a Utah girly, she's an influencer. You probably know her from Hallmark, Instagram, like Disney, every single LDS film. You're like <laughs> very, very prolific, and I'm so excited to have prolific. you here. Prolific. I'm yes. wow. Yes. Okay. You're like kind of a big deal for sure. I mean, I that's how I feel being in your presence, but you know. Oh, TikTok no. fame over here. Okay. For my very, very niche audience, maybe it's exciting, but you have like a great, you're on Hallmark. That's yeah. Huge. There's a huge reach there. That's so exciting. People love to do laundry and then not watch it and just put me <laughs> in the background. That is, I, I am known for that. They're like, I don't know what she looks like, but I hear her while I'm like separating the whites from the dark. So it's oh great. Oh my gosh. You were telling me about that. Yeah. What was it? So you were telling me that Hallmark asked you to act a certain way? Yeah. Um. <laughs> basically... I, I don't think there I think I can say stuff like this because I don't think there's any like secrets. Yeah. If you're on like a Hallmark or a, like Lifetime's a little different. Lifetime uh tries to it's like the more dramatic version of Hallmark. Ooh. But Hallmark it they'll basically blatantly say like we want people to be able to easily take this in, digest it, but if they're playing it in the background like they're not going to miss anything. Yeah. Which, like, sounds kind of not great, but, like, but that, like, they know their audience. That's what it's about. It should be light and easy and not too dramatic. And so it's, like, no one's, like, dying in Hallmark movies or anything. And, like, you can't, like, cry too much or something. Well, what's that like as an actress? Are you feeling excited about that or does it kind of, like, cheapen your craft? Or what what was your experience with that? I I think— I think any actor, like in, unless you're Jennifer Lawrence, I think if you if you got a, a job, you're just happy to have a job. And it's you know, and if you're working with great people, I think, you know, like most actors, it's like you're lucky to do that for a living period. Right. And so I think I think it would be silly for me to be like, oh, well, it's not like the the deepest, most gut wrenching, raw acting. It's like it's not, but that's not the point of it. And so it is nice. And I've learned to really appreciate, like, the lighter stuff going from more dramatic movies or more intense short films. So I can have a little break where it's like, I can just go and have a great time, have some acting in there, work with people I love. And, like, That's it's just, like, uplifting. Yeah. Wait, what do you prefer? What kind of style do you like? I mean, if I had to stick with one, like, I would definitely... I don't know if I'd choose a, a genre. I don't know what genre I would choose. I just, I just want... Good storytelling and characters um, that have a really great arc. That's like the biggest thing for me. 
But if I had to choose one, like I would definitely like choose something more dramatic over Hallmark if I had one choice. But it's really nice right. to go back and forth. Oh, between, yeah. Like, and it's good to like challenge yourself to do both yeah. like that. But personally, I just like you and your Instagram ads a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Verified, blue. Verified blue. Does it work? I don't know. But the funny thing. So they're, they're, we were talking earlier about the commercial for Verified Blue that I've done that they're pushing out everywhere. Um and people keep DMing me, asking me if it works. But I'm like, I'm playing a character, I think named Stephanie or something. So they like made a fake Instagram, but no one pays attention to the fact that there's like a fake Instagram in of the you? ad. It's not, well, it's it's like they curated one that says oh, like Stephanie got or it. Got it. charity, whatever Wait, they name it. does it actually me. exist on Instagram? Or no. is it, okay, it's just it's Photoshopped. The, yeah, got it's it, just Photoshopped. It. And then they like cast some um, lady who was lovely as my grandma, but my Cute. grandmas are not alive. So, oh. like, none of it's real. <laughs> and, like, I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if it works because when we did the commercial, the product wasn't even out yet. And that's just the reality as an actor. It's like, I mean, do you think, like, people on, like, fungus commercials for, like, toe fungus, like, have used the product? No, like, no, they're, as they're actors. Who at, an, at an ad agency, we were actually filming a foot commercial the other day. Are you? Oh, that's right. I yes. DM'd you and I was like, yes. free feet pics. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please submit your feet pics too. I was like, do you want to see mine? I don't want to audition, but do you want to see them? <laughs> I was like, please tell me you want to audition, Monica. I want to get those toes Think on the big screen. These old ballet, <laughs> nubby, gross toes. Oh my gosh. But yeah, coming from the ad agency world, you do fudge things a little bit. Yeah. Like somebody took off their shoes and had some literally Smeagol looking feet. Like oh, disgusting. No. I was like, you know what? I think we're done with you for the day. Oh, no. <laughs> I wrapped his ass in 30 minutes. I was like, all right. But that's what happens. I mean, right? like as actors, you just like, get used to it. Probably where it's like, the real people using this product have some ugly ass feet. But for this ad... We've wanted not pretty gonna. <laughs> We're not going to put that online. We're not going to put that online. Yeah. You did so well. We just are. You're, we have your feet are just so naturally ugly. Yeah. Honestly, there, there are auditions that I see. And as an actor, you're used to it. But when like people not from the acting world see like a casting call for like girl with really bad acne or like guy that's oh, like geez. scrawny and ugly looking and is probably a pedophile. You look at that stuff and you're like, wow, that's like really offensive. But then like. You have to be humble enough as an actor to go, that's me. I look like the creepy pedophile. Oh or my like, gosh, have you ever I applied to a role like that where it's like totally dissing on you? Um, oh, I have something in my teeth. I hope I didn't catch that. Girl um, with something in her teeth. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. Uh, the one, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think the only one would be the bullying video. I usually didn't try and go out for like, Ugly roles, probably I was too insecure. I don't know. Um, but the the character description didn't have a name at the time. And um, but like she was referred to as rat face in the initial script for the bullying stop it video. I actually no, the funny thing was, here's the thing. <laughs> and you kind of blew up from that. That was like very that was early like the on. First thing. And like you still get recognized from that, don't you? Which is crazy because I was like, oh, I didn't look that good <laughs> in that. Please don't recognize me. With the bangs. Oh, the it was Monica a moment. Bangs era. Yeah. I miss that. 
Mm, I don't. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Are you sure about that? It was quirky. Yeah, what? I was different. I was in my Zoe De Chanel phase, and then like that got kind of old. But like for for the time, it was great. But the funny thing was, I initially was approached for the bullying video. This is a fun little BTS story. Um, the secrets are all here. Um, <laughs> sorry. And the casting director, who I had known at that point through like theater and everything, and I hadn't really done film yet, mm-hmm. was like, hey, do you want to play a mean girl on film? And I was like, I-, I would love to do film and a mean girl. That would be so fun. And so then for a while, I don't remember how long the audition process was. It could have been like a handful of months or a year what? from beginning to end. Sometimes it's long. That's it's like wild. I feel like it's different where like theater, like you do it, you you bang yeah. it out and they cast you. And then film is either like so quick. Right. Or it can be this long process. And I feel like nowadays it, they don't do the long process as much anymore. But at the time I went in and I auditioned for the mean girl and they liked uh-huh. me as the mean girl. And in the bowling video, there aren't really mean girls, but this was a completely different script at the time. Oh, wow. Um, so there it was like centered around mean girls. And um Utah audition but I'd like done all these callbacks as a mean girl they liked me as that and then um they had me come in and like help with other people's callbacks to like just be a reader essentially and so then I was reading as like the bullied girl not the bully okay but I wasn't auditioning you know I was just acquainted with them and helping out whatever what, um, how long was this video, real quick? Like, how long is this video? And ten minutes? It's a ten minute video. I that, think so. They spent a year for a ten minute video, but I, it got millions of views. So, uh, yeah, it paid I off. Guess I so. guess it paid off. It paid, that's crazy. But it's crazy that the amount of time you'll spend. I mean, even just making a video like that, like it's ten minutes, but you, you're spending hours and hours mm. on the front end and the back end and during filming. That's so true. And it's expensive. It's so expensive. To pay every actor. And, uh, like, and even just editing is so, everything's so expensive so in film. I so much more time, like, behind the scenes, like, trying to, like, budget the film, plan the time, mm-hmm. do all that, than I have been spending in front of the camera acting and auditioning these days. Oh, that's such a small portion of it. Oh, my god. People don't understand. Ugh. Thinking about how expensive production costs is, like, giving my tummy it issues because it's not even just that because then there's always more that you didn't plan for and you're like oh crap oh this is more my something happens someone gets sick and then you're like okay now we gotta get all these covid tests and now and like oh my god trying to do anything during you know covid it's like so expensive it's just there's just a lot it's ridiculous it's crazy so being like you're a local celebrity i'd say I would say you're a local celebrity. So I'm going to let you say that. What <laughs> like, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> what has it been like to be known for all these projects? And what would you say you're most known for when people come up to you in like Walmart or whatever? And like, oh, can I get a picture? I'm a Target girly. But oh, no. sorry, sorry. No sorry, kidding. Sorry. It's actually Walmart. I'm like <laughs> always in Walmart. Um, <laughs> Harmon's is cool too, but it's a little expensive. Um, the olive bar though slaps. Ooh. Anyways, sorry, tangent. I, it's a mix. I still get the bullying video a lot, which is surprises me still. Right. Um, but I also get like TikTok a lot or like oh, Instagram, okay. which so it's surprises been media me more now than it. Yeah, than acting. I'll I'll get acting as well. They, they've kind of become a culmination, but right. I think since I started 
speaking on like domestic abuse and stuff like that. Right. There's, I think more people that that resonates with than just like general film, you know, it's more personal. And so I think since then it's been weird to me, like how many people know me from that, which I'm like, I like did this movie that like more people saw technically, but I think yeah, but that hit different home work resonates for so more. many people, right? Right, and a lot of people connected with your story. How is it to have people that ha- sort of have these like parasocial relationships where they like really rely on you? How has that been? Um, I think it. Well, it's it's heavy. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's also fulfilling. Oh, um, sure, and I've. As I've done this for the past little while, I've had to, like, figure out how to balance that. Oh, yeah. Um, Because it is, you know, when you're sharing something that's so personal. And for me at this point, like, in my real life, like, I don't really, like, talk about that. If someone's coming to me and they're like, hey, I'm struggling with this. And I'll be like, oh, like, I understand. And similar things happen to me. And let's talk about it. But, like, outside of that, like, it's pretty irrelevant to my life for me it's like this is a something that's a vessel for something that's important and something I want to spread awareness on but it's not like something I sit and chat with my friends about right but Um, I think that's why you're like such a remarkable person is because you know how important it is to share your story and you mm -hmm. spend a lot of time doing that on social media but the way that you've still been able to move on while doing that is just beyond incredible. Thank you. What are some ways that you've helped yourself find that balance of talking about it on social media, but not always dwelling on it in real life? I think um, that has been like a constant balance that I'm trying to figure out because it is confusing for people. And I have to try and remember, okay, how many people do I care what their perception is of me? Because there's certain people that go, oh, you're, you're talking about your ex. None of my, like, close friends say that because they know, like, outside of that, it's not a topic of discussion. And so it's like, okay, well, really, I only care, like, who the people close to me think. I think, but I also, you know, try and figure out the balance between acting is, like, the main thing I want to pursue. Does talking about something so heavy become a downer for people? And maybe it does to some people, but at the same time, I personally feel... I didn't go through all of that to just like shut up about it. And so I might someday transition to having that like be something I still work on, Mm -hmm. but delegate a little bit more um, and have it be more anonymous in regards to my name. But it's something I'm always going to be fighting for. Like, yeah. And so I'm in the works of like creating a nonprofit and creating resources that kind of um, I don't have to manage as directly to give other women like I've been trying to figure out like an app and a system to educate women, especially women who cannot go to like an abuse center because I mean, there's a lot of, um, that's a whole long story as to why, like you can't just like go to a class on domestic abuse when you're in an abusive relationship. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. And usually that, like that's the only resource is like, well, you can call the hotline. And it's like, well, if I call the hotline, like my husband might find out and he might punish me for it. If I go to a class on domestic abuse, how on earth am I going to tell my husband, Where hey, for three watch the kids. Yeah. I'm going to go to a class that's telling me that you're abusing me. Like that just doesn't go over well. And so I want to create systems that can kind of resolve the issues around helping women get the education and help they need 
while being able to do it anonymously so that the abuse doesn't escalate more. And wow. So, so that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. But right now it's like a combination. I don't know how that's going to transition, but it's something that I still haven't quite figured out of yeah, like, what's I the balance? I think it's amazing that you're headed in that direction though. Thank you. And that seems super, super impactful. When you say, what is your plan to have them do it anonymously? Do you know yet? Um, I think just eliminating like the in-person aspect or having to call where there's uh, like receipts, if that makes sense. And so, you know, uh, think of like a, a, a period app. Got it. On your phone. It doesn't look like a period app all the time. Like it, it can Mm -hmm. disguise it as something else. Right. So I've been trying to figure out a way to have women have access, you know, and especially if maybe they don't have access to Wi-Fi, able to download information on their phone in a way that their partner can't find out. Um, And I I don't know how to do that. Maybe it's not on their phone. Maybe it's amazing, though. Online. There's a database. See how that would be so helpful. So. When you were in this situation and you didn't have these resources, how did you first identify that you were in an abusive relationship? Uh, it's there's never one moment right. where it's like this is the abusive relationship. I think there's multiple little moments and then a big thing that ends up happening where you can't unsee what's going on. But I think most people in an abusive relationship kind of know from the beginning and usually it's like once you get married or once there's some sort of commitment mm-hmm. where there's like an energy shift and there's this unsettling feeling of something's wrong but I can't put my finger on it I don't know what's wrong and you kind of usually assume it must be me like I'm causing problems there's fights all the all of the time I feel anxious all of the time I don't feel like I can be around my friends or do anything I'm always upsetting them And there's just this constant feeling of guilt. But I kind of just assumed like, well, I've never been married before. I don't have very much relationship experience. Like it's probably just me and marriage is hard. And everyone says relationships are hard. So yeah, I'm I'm just going to be steadfast and I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying. But I think, um, there were a couple key moments in, my relationship that kind of made me realize I'm being lied to. And I don't just mean like, oh, betrayal, but I mean, this person is not who I thought they were. And there's one distinct moment that sounds um, maybe innocuous, but um, I'd been like, things had been going missing in, oh. in my house. And it, like w- it was like little things, things. my shared things, things. shared things, things. Oh, my things. Okay, all sorts of things. I felt like I was going crazy. Like I, I couldn't keep track of anything. And I was also just like not in a mentally great place at that point. I can't imagine being gaslit to the sense to the point where you don't know what's real and what's fake. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and speaking of gaslight, like that's a movie that came out forever ago. I'd found out about it where this woman is. Being gaslit, which is where the term came from, where her husband like is slowly turning down the lamps in the house and not telling her. And she's convinced it's getting darker, but he's just telling her, no, it's not. The lamps are the same. And so I had been like, for example, there was this pillow that we had on our bed, this fluffy pillow that would randomly disappear. And I was so confused because I was like, I don't like misplace one decoration pillow. Like, it's just weird that I set it down. I go to work. I come back and it's gone. 
But I assumed when I would ask him, like, hey, do you know where the pillow went? He'd be like, oh, I don't know. Like, you keep misplacing things. Are you okay? So he just did that to make you think that you were losing your mind? Well, yeah, but I didn't know it. For, I assumed it was just me. And so, and then another thing goes missing. We have these little letters, like our initials, like right. probably can't say his initials, but yeah, yeah. Um, from our wedding and they'd randomly disappear. It was like these big decoration, gold, gaudy letters. Like they're hard to misplace. They were on a shelf way up above. Yeah. And why would you move those? Why would I move those? But I was convinced. I was like, every time I'd ask, he was like, he would have no idea. And a bunch of stuff like this would keep happening. And I assumed I was just going crazy. And one day I come home from work and I I was filming some commercial. I don't remember what it was, but I had gotten done way earlier than I expected. And I'm walking down to go to the bedroom and in the hall closet, he's on a ladder and he's shoving the letters up in the top shelf. And then I see on the top shelf is littered with all the things that had been missing. Stop it right now. And I just in that moment went, oh, my gosh. How did you react? Did he see you? Watching? He saw me. But I was in like the, the problem is people go, oh, if I saw that, I would have I would have gone right at him. I would have cussed him out. I would have blah, blah, blah. But not I was at that in, point. Not at that. I was in so You're much in shock. I was yeah. in too deep. I was gaslit. It's you know, it, I know Stockholm syndrome isn't a term used anymore, but I was to that place where yeah. I knew if I said anything he was going to flip it somehow. And then right. I would feel crazier. And I was like, just not in a place to be able to handle that. Cause I knew if I said something, it'd be like, how dare you accuse me of X, Y, Z. Oh yeah. So, so what I, did just, you do? I just, I just, just pretend you didn't see him. I just looked at him and then I had a moment of panic and started shutting down and asked him what he was doing. And he just said, Oh, I'm just cleaning. And then we, I just didn't really, I just like got him down later and didn't really say anything. Cause I was too, Right. Freaked so, out. So that's one of the biggest moments and it sat with you. Yeah. I think it's just one of those moments. There was like Several. stuff that was like way scarier and, and more escalated. But, but there's something about that moment that after like months and months of these like little insidious things, it's one thing when some, when you have a partner that, and I think a lot of people resonate this where you're kind of like begging to be physically abused. And once you get physically abused, it's not the worst part of it. It's, it's the little insidious things that make you not trust yourself that are the scariest thing. So it's like, you know, me being like blacked out on the floor was like, that's terrifying. Right. And it's freaky to realize that the person that loves you can do that to you. But there's something about them breaking you down from the inside out. That's way more unsettling. Oh, of course. Was that moment a moment of strength for you to realize, oh, it's not me, it's him? Or were you in so deep that you couldn't, no part of you had that realization? I knew, I knew there was a problem, but it wasn't strengthening yet because I felt like I had to stay with him. So yeah. I just felt like I'm damned. Yeah, That's even what more I felt scared. like. That is so incredibly scary. So how much longer did this last after that moment? Um, I don't remember exactly at what point in the year that was or what year it was in. And honestly, right. like I've, I documented, I started documenting and I always journaled, but yeah. I started tracking things down just so I could like keep things straight because I was getting to a point where I was so, and this is just like a side effect of abuse. I didn't know at the time, but I couldn't even remember like my age when people would ask me. 
And there were times on set where I would start having like a panic attack and shut down and I couldn't remember any of my lines. And people would be kind of confused as to like, she's usually really great. What's going on? She like can't remember anything. This is concerning. Um, And so, sorry, what was the question? I blanked on it. Oh, no, you're good. I can't even remember, but cut, pause. When I finally like realized. So were you, when you're on these sets and you're talking to all these people and you're working, does anyone know what's going on at this point? Does anybody at all in your life know what's going on with you and your spouse? No, no No. one really did. I think that was also isolating um, because typically in abusive relationships, the stereotype that we've been fed of like a man and a wife beater is like, you know, coming home drunk. Like that's the stereotype and people Uh assume they're going to know what an abuser looks like. But the problem is like usually the abusive person is your neighbor who like helps you with your yard work and opens the door for you and maybe has like the ideal relationship. So I had a lot of people saying like, and it stuck in my head so much where there were people DMing me saying, wow, like I just can't wait to have a relationship like yours. But I was also being told like I had to post more positive things about him because if I didn't, then I was pinning him in a bad light and I was being a bad wife. And and so I felt so conflicted because it was like I have to keep sharing this lie to make my marriage work. But I feel like I'm lying. I'm having cognitive dissonance and I'm feeling more and more alone because other people are saying, wow, he's so great. He's so great because in public it'd be like, babe, what do you need? Let me go get your food. You sit down. I'll take care of you. But at home, it's a whole nother thing. thing. Behind closed doors, completely different. So like people didn't know, but after the fact, um, a bunch of people came out and like shared their stories with me, you know, ex-girlfriends or even ex-girlfriends roommates, like had come out to me and shared some things of like, oh my gosh, I experienced the same exact stuff with him. And I thought I was crazy. And there was even like specific stories of like, I was not allowed to like eat salad dressing because it was going to go because the macros weren't good. He was very controlling around my food and making sure I was, you know, skinnier because he preferred skinny girls. And like there were people who reached out to me were like, that's so crazy because he was weird about that with me, too. And I felt really self-conscious, no like eating salad dressing around him because he would be so manipulative about it. And even co-workers reaching out and like finding out like you know and he was in the medical field and I just assumed like everyone at work loved him and actually that wasn't the case and he was lying to me and like he had committed malpractice and like a bunch of stuff so I just felt like everyone loved him and I was just crazy so you didn't want to be the bad guy you don't want to bring it up to anybody and sound like ungrateful yeah. Yeah. Because then I'm airing dirty laundry. Right. And they tell you not to do that. So that must be such an incredibly, incredibly mm-hmm. isolating, uncomfortable feeling. So what was your move when you decided enough is enough? It's time to be done. I didn't have a moment where I said, I'm done. And I think a lot of people feel like they just need to get to a moment where they know for sure it's done. Yeah. And I think oftentimes people stay in abusive relationships longer because they're waiting for the moment where they have the strength to cut everything off at one time. And Got I think it. honestly, like I don't, 
you know, I don't want to make comparisons to addiction because I know that that could be insensitive. But I also for me personally, I Mm -hmm. did do that. And Mm -hmm. that was really helpful for me. Um, I I had a moment that that is my truth where I had a moment where all I knew was I just needed to be away from him. I need Mm -hmm. space. I didn't I didn't think I was going to end the marriage. I didn't think it was over. I still wanted to work on things. I just known things were escalated so much and I'd gotten so scared and I was really worried. I like woke up after we had had a fight and some scary things had happened that I won't go into. But um, I was supposed to be on KUTV that morning. And so I'm like shaking, like just trying to curl my hair and hoping he doesn't feel how nervous I was. And, um, I, I went to KUTV. I did an interview for, uh, a movie that I did that had come out. And of course people there were like, oh my gosh, your husband's so great. How how did you find someone so supportive? He hadn't come with me, but people were talking about it. And I remember just going, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'm so scared to go home. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. And that's all I could think. But I couldn't tell anyone. My parents, I hadn't told my parents. Nobody. Nobody. And I hadn't made any plans to leave. But I just knew. I was like, I, I cannot go home. I kept getting the distinct impression. Yeah. If I go home, it's game over. And I didn't know right. what that meant. I just felt like either I kept feeling like I'm going to die. And I don't know if that meant, you know, metaphorically if that meant literally I don't know, I don't know. but like when I have a feeling like that I'm gonna follow it and it's so good that you were able to feel that and yeah. then follow that feeling yeah. a lot of I'm sure a lot of people in that situation will put their partner's thoughts and needs before they will I'm sure they're so quick to shut down that Sound oh in yeah, the back of your head. I think that I think is that's so normal because that you're, you're able to do that. You're supposed to like put your partner's thoughts above it, yours, but first, once it's yeah. an abusive dynamic, like the rules don't apply anymore. And I didn't realize that. Right. And that's so, amazing though that you were able to say, "Nope, I'm hearing this intuition. I've mm-hmm. got to follow it." So you're on KUTV and you get this thought, and what happens next? So we do the interview, and I haven't even gone back and watched it, but I'm pretty sure I was, like, not super there because <laughs> I don't, like, I blanked it out. I don't remember. Um, but all I'd known was I can't go home. And so I kind of, like, sat in my car trying to figure out what to do. I didn't have anything with me. I hadn't, prepa- like, prepped a a, a, a weekender yeah. bag because I wasn't planning right. on leaving him. All I knew was like, I can't go home, but I didn't want to go to my parents' house because he knew where that was. So if he wanted to find me, he would go there. So I messaged a friend and we were more acquainted at the time. Like we had worked together on films, but we had never like hung out one-on-one and we'd carpooled recently to a set. And I'd alluded to her vaguely that like, I was like struggling with my relationship or, you know, not sure how to navigate it, but I didn't really tell her what was going on I just Mm -hmm. was asking for advice did she pick up the vibe at that time or was she totally not in the know I think she picked up that something was wrong I don't think she knew the depth of it um but maybe she did and just didn't you know say anything but I was like hey can I (laughs) can I crash at your place super random but I know he's not gonna know where you live because if I went to a different friend he would know and so I like went there and stayed there for a couple weeks. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my parents. I also didn't like have any of my stuff. So I didn't brush my teeth for a couple of days, which was so bad. But I was also like, he ended up like cutting off my credit cards 
um, because we shared a bank account. And so then I didn't have access to money for a little bit. And so it was just a whole thing. But all I, I still wanted to work in my marriage. That's the craziest thing is I still wanted to work on it. But you do have to kind of like wean yourself off. You can't like Mm -hmm. cold turkey it. So I literally, all I knew was like, okay, I, yes, I wanted to work on my marriage, but I knew the most important things for me in my life were like, at that point I had three things. It was peace, clarity, and expansion. I just came up with a theme and those three things, that's what I needed. I wasn't focused on like, okay, how do I make the marriage work? What therapist do we go to? Blah, 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 blah. What things do I forgive him for? It was just this is what I need. How do I get that? And then I literally, um, had like three people that I like used as like my sponsors and was like, Hey, um, I'm really struggling. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to reach out to you and say, I'm afraid I'm going to go back to him before I've like figured out what to do. So I need you to like, tell me that's amazing. This like script that I made up of like, Hey, don't do that. You can't do that. And here's why. Yeah, that's huge. Were you still like responding to texts from him when you're staying at the house? Is he contacting your parents? Like what's happening while you're staying at this house? Um, He's reaching out to me. I eventually like, I don't remember how consistent I was like responding to him. I had expressed to him, hey, like I need to get away for a little bit. Like I love you. I'm really struggling and I, I can't come to the peace and understanding clarity on our our relationship or even myself without getting some space. Right. But like, you know, all best wishes, whatever. Um, And of course he's like reaching out and texting and texting and calling and calling and sending message after message and sending me scriptures and all this stuff. And, you know, he'd go from, it was really interesting to watch the text. It kind of clarified things for Mm -hmm. me because he'd go from really, really nice to like really manipulative and blowing up. And then if I didn't respond, then he'd do it again. He'd go really, really nice and then manipulate and then blow up. And then like, it was like such a cycle to see like the love bombing and then like the escalation and then the abuse. And then it had like nothing to do with me was he was just trying different tactics to get me back. And that kind of helped me see like, oh, this is the abuse cycle that I read about. Like this is... That that it's it's happening right in front of me and having it in writing was very clarifying because he'd go from like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. I'm going to get better. I'm going to change to like you're creating things in your head like you're ruining our family. You're tearing things apart and then sending me scriptures basically that are telling me I'm going to go to hell because I'm doing what the scriptures are saying. Like stuff like that where it was like, oh, I don't think that a person that loves me would say this kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you're getting these messages, are you sharing them with the friends that you've decided are like acting as your sponsor? And are they being like, girl, this is crazy? Yes, I I would share, you know, like some screenshots or I just call them or um, I eventually did end up talking to my parents and like letting them know what was going on. Um, and that, of course, freaked them out because they were like, where are you? <laughs> oh, no. Um, but I, you know, at the time I was so overwhelmed, though, and I have to give myself grace. And I think people watching, too, if they're going through it, it's like your communication is not going to be perfect and you're no. not going to know exactly what to do. And that's OK. And I was kind of just like a mess and I wasn't sure. Do I tell people? Do I not? But. I felt okay telling a couple people, you know, I didn't want to like blasphemy him at, you know, at the time. And, um, I also did 
find a therapist a while like back, like from our, from our marriage, we tried, you know, a, a couple's therapist that I'd been going to alone. <laughs> and um, eventually I seeked out a therapist for abuse, which I didn't tell him that it was an, an abuse therapist, but I just went, I need help. I'm really struggling. Yeah. And so I went to an abuse therapist and, you know, she never told me what to do, but she definitely really helped me see and understand what his behaviors meant. Mm -hmm. And so I, at that point, like had to realize like, yes, it is abusive. Um, but so I had that contact at the time when I was staying at my friend's house. So I was able to like reach out to her and yeah, ask her what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Being able to stay with a friend. I think even it's helpful that you stayed with a friend who maybe isn't like your best friend or your sister Honestly. or something because it, it helps you. I'm sure it helped you kind of remove the judgment because mm-hmm. it's kind of somebody that you don't have that much stake in. Would you say that was helpful? I do think it was helpful. And that's the thing is I don't want anyone to feel like they have to share, you know, if they think there's something going on in the marriage, if they think they're being abused, you, you don't, you aren't obligated to share it with the closest people. Right. And I think that's why a lot of women, and men will reach out to me via Instagram. And I'd also reached out to someone via Instagram that I didn't know who I felt like could give me an unbiased perspective on why they got divorced. And so Mm -hmm. I'd reached out to this um, lovely woman, Sydney, and she ended up taking me out to lunch. And I was just asking her like, I'd known she gotten divorced and I was like, yeah. so how did you decide to do that? But I knew she was going to be unbiased because she had no stake in me, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I think staying with a friend was nice because it wasn't like she was going to get like completely torn up if I made a decision she didn't like or something. Right. And I think it's hard sometimes, you know, with parents or family who are well-meaning, but like it's very overwhelming when you can hardly like get up and function throughout the day. Like you you know, if you're to that point where you're just suicidal to also like tell your parents and then see how distraught and how hard it is for them. Yeah, because that's hard on everybody. Emotional to put on your parents, even though I'm sure they were so grateful to know so that they could step in and help. But that's like, I'm sure from your perspective, you're like, I don't want them to deal with even a 10th of what I'm dealing with now. I'm sure. I I was just like, I, if if I see them sad, like I'm not going to be able to handle it. And so I waited to tell them, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think initially it was like, is this yeah. bad? Should I feel guilty? And the thing is, like, no one's entitled to to that from you. No. But, yeah. No. So this was three years ago, four years ago? Uh, it was whenever—it was the year the pandemic started, whenever that was. Yeah. And you <laughs> Which know what? was that's, a great yeah, little combo. That's, I remember I met you in 2020— during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. So I met you for the first time, like fresh out of the situation. I don't even mm-hmm. know if you were public about it yet. You know, I'm trying to think because it was like the summer, right? When we did the it shoot was in like the sand dunes. spring 2020 because we did. Like, oh, no, the, the mod for yeah, shoot yeah, first. Yeah, we did like a photo shoot together and it was like a 60s kind of thing. Yeah, it may have been. I I don't know if I was public about it yet. And to I be remember, honest. like, you're a totally different person now. Yeah, it's would you been say? a minute. I would say I am. I think, like, it depends what you mean by totally different person. But I think, energy wise, like, I just went to um, 
a psychiatrist who I'd gone to years ago when, I mean, basically my, my ex-husband wanted me on certain drugs because I was, you know, more complacent that way. And so mm-hmm. he'd tell me, okay, fill out the questionnaire this way so you can get this drug or whatever. And so he'd send oh me gosh. in to do that. Um, and he'd always come in with me so I, he could make sure that I, I couldn't tell the therapist anything about what was going on. He had a rule that if I said anything about our marriage, then I was like breaking our covenants. Um, and so I'd gone back to this psychiatrist just this last month and just to kind of get an update and to like say I was not taking the <laughs> the meds I'd initially been given anymore. Yeah. And it was so interesting and reaffirming to hear him go, wow, like you are so much more comfortable being yourself now. That's what I was going to say. I remember when I first met you, like I was basically a nobody. <laughs> no, and you I was weren't. So you were hustling. You. I mean, I you've so, grown. I was so nervous to meet you, but then I remember you showing up and I was, being, I was like, damn, she's more nervous than I am. Like you were like a nervous person. Yeah. And like now sitting here with you, you're like just like comfortable, like you're, you seem very, very confident. The content you post is entirely different. Like mm. you've grown a lot. Thank so you. what are some of the things that you would say have helped you over the past three, three years now kind of come back to this amazing, powerful, confident version of yourself? Well, that's all very nice. Thank you. I like hearing that, of course. Of course, um, I mean it. <laughs> um there's a lot of things. Therapy is really helpful. And I understand yeah. that that's not accessible for everyone. But I do think there's a lot of people, if you're willing to budget for it yeah. and, and make sacrifices, if it's feasible, definitely make that a priority financially if you can. And uh, there are certain therapists that will work with um, insurance, which is really nice. But doing that, and I don't mean talk therapy. Talk therapy is fine. I'd rather just talk with friends okay. because it's free. Yeah. Um, but like I did EMDR and that was oh huge for God. me because it's it's one of the most scientifically proven ways to help alleviate trauma. And I think that was a huge oh. thing for me was just day to day feeling so heavy and overwhelmed just by like life and everything I had experienced. So that honestly, like I would leave an EMDR session and just feel so much lighter. Oh, it was crazy. That's amazing. And I told my therapist, I was like, is this, am I going crazy? Like, I feel so much better. And we've like, after an hour, I don't understand how this works. Um, but, but that's been super helpful. I also think um, a huge thing, and I've, you know, there's a book I read recently well, reread recently called Deep Work by Cal Newport, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think um, applying a lot of the things I learned from that book have been really helpful um, in regards to being in the moment. I think, you know, they say that like depression and anxiety are like issues of like being stuck in the past or in the future as Mm -hmm. opposed to being in the present. And I think a huge thing that has helped me be more confident and grow and have competency and connections with other people is figuring out how to be in the present moment. And I know that sounds so hippy dippy and no, all I, of that. I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure. Well, and, and it's really hard, I think, 
especially nowadays with like social media, while we love it, it's also, it's easily abused. But I think for me, I just spent so much time, especially like getting out of the relationship. I was just like disassociated. I was disassociated through the marriage. And then afterwards, it was really hard to get to a place where I could have a conversation with somebody and not be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so like meditation, I started meditating every day and I already journaled, but then I combined journaling and breath work with meditation. And I'm not as, you know, consistent with it now, I would say, but, but I'm always like a better person when I meditate. And I know people go, "Mm, that's like sounds silly, but look into some of the studies because Uh meditation is like our, our brains are elastic and meditation can make the difference and in your mental health. Wow. Yeah. Because I think I'm one of the people who stands more on the, on the end of like, "Mm, I don't need that. Mm, I don't do that. But then you hear these amazing stories like yours and it's like pretty undeniable. If that's what has changed your life, then absolutely. And if it's mm-hmm. something so simple, it's free, it's accessible, anybody can that's do it. That's the best part of it. That's amazing. And I think that's a really, really good piece of advice to give to anyone who's listening who might be dealing with some sort of trauma or mental health issue. These are really accessible tips. So I love that you're sharing these like different self-help books are great. Meditation is great. Therapy, mm-hmm. if you can have it, great, great. Yeah. What else do you have? Um, I honestly think there's a lot of value in group healing. And I think, you know, especially in America, I think we're very much like independent Mm -hmm. and be your own boss and you don't need anybody. And I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but there is nothing like sitting with a group of people who you care about and love, not even a group, just one person and hearing them say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's terrible. Yeah. And then have them treat you well. Like that is the best form of healing. Is that kind of how social media has been for you? Sharing your story and then getting that, you know, either the people that can relate, the people that are supporting you through that via social media, or is that not the same? No, I think, I think if you take those connections and you grow them further, there's so many people. And like I say, I, once you get divorced, it feels like you're the only one. And then you realize there's so many people and because we all empathize for the same thing, there's like an unspoken understanding and the connections that I've made and the friends that I've made with people I would have never known, but because we all went through this hard thing together, like it's so great to be able to meet up with these people and go to lunch together or like form lifelong friendships and And there's something about connecting. I just think connecting is like the antidote to so many of the the mental illnesses that we're struggling with or or anxiety. And, you know, and I've got all of those things. But connection, I truly think, is like a huge thing. And whether that's online or or taking things online and bringing them in person, which I think is the best form. Yeah. But I truly think like getting connected with people again and focusing on creating friendships around that instead of just like, you know, happenstance, I think intentional friendships. Intentionally seeking out friendships, I think is huge. So many of us, especially with social media, we Mm -hmm. just like think that it will just happen someday, mm-hmm. especially really as adults. Yes, and then you become I'm an adult dealing with this right now, living in a new city. Oh, and that's hard. It's, 
It's shitty, but (laughs) (laughs) to to put it plainly, (laughs) to put it bluntly, and oh, making friends as an adult is miserable. But I Mm -hmm. love what you're saying about connection. Really does heal a lot, a lot of wounds because that's how we were meant to be. Like yeah. when humans were put on this earth, you know, everybody was together all the freaking time. And now we, we like, had villages, man. Yeah. We like helped each other. Right? And like you knew the grocery store clerk. And like I literally, I will go and it's like little things like this. Like I will go to Wells Fargo, uh-huh. my bank in person. And every time they're like, you know, you can do this online. And I'm like, I know I can do this online, but I want to be around people. And wow, I'm not even extroverted. That's actually huge. But that's like so if I get big. an opportunity to to have human connection, especially when like you're working in, you know, the freelance world, a lot mm-hmm. of people are working from home, which is yeah. amazing. It brings so much flexibility. Yeah. But I also think we become really isolated. Yeah. So what are some tips that you might have for people who need that connection? Uh, I think don't be afraid to be a little bit needy with friendships. Oh, okay. And I don't mean needy as in like, uh, you know, not having boundaries. I just mean like, it's okay to meet someone and go, I think you're really cool. Can I take you out on a friend date? Uh Uh-huh. Like, I feel like people do this with dating romantically, but when it comes to friendships, it's like, oh, well, that's like weird or that's not cool. Or I don't want them to think that I might like them. Yeah, but like it's but like you can court you, someone you as a friend. But yeah. yeah. And you're <laughs> like, that's so flattering. Like, yes. yeah. Right? Like I think we all want it, but then we're just so used to growing up in schools and you know, doing yeah, where sports it's like where it's given you're giving your friends. Yeah. So I guess be a little needy. What's another tip for seeking out those new connections. I mean, social media, honestly, is a huge one, but you have to actually follow through. That's, I think the hardest thing is like a lot of Mm -hmm. us want this connection. And then we keep saying, yeah, let's do lunch. Yeah, let's do this. And we never do. And what's your secret to making it happen? Um, I'm honestly like, that is one of my biggest struggles is making it happen. I do eventually get around to it, but I'm so slow, but I like, have to put like rewards on things or like, Oh, okay. Like kind of like the atomic habits, like habit stacking stuff where it's like, okay, I cannot, you know, buy said thing from Amazon until like I've followed through and like planned a lunch date with so-and-so or I like on my calendar have like respond to five personal texts, like on Monday, like stuff like that. Where, okay, okay, I give myself a reward, which sounds silly that I have to do this, but it's how I have to do it. Maybe that's how I have to do it, because I'm bad. Give yourself, you know, a dirty dough cookie after you text five friends. Right. Or a sodi or something. Very smart. Or an almond. That could be a reward. Chocolate covered. Oh, oh, only the chocolate covered. Those are so good. Or true fruit. I could use one of those right now. Um, Could you not say that unless we're sponsored? Oh, sorry. They just sent me a box, though. Oh, so you're sponsored. But I just, I have like a (laughs) stack load on them and it's my breakfast every day. Um, Oh my gosh. I love that we're both a little silly treat kind of gals. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that came out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. A freaking great. Such a snack girl. Um... (laughs) I have to have like a little something after every meal. I have Oreos just so I can have one after I breakfast. I Which- decorated with candy because that was like my dream as a child. And then oh. I accidentally ate all of them in a week because I was like, no. I let my little treat after lunch go out of hand. You're like, and just in a, and then a second breakfast little treat, a uh-huh. third breakfast. Little treat? I have a little rotating 
like lazy Susan full of different. I think I showed you the different Oh, snacks. remember when I went to your house and ate all of your candy? I no, like, you didn't. You just <laughs> had the gummy worms. And they're the best ones because they're, they're the well, Albanese brand or whatever. Yeah, but slap. what really did it for me was that it was like the presentation was so phenomenal. If you haven't seen I Monica's mean, apartment, it's like a, a girly dream house. It's so it cute. Is. She it has scares all the boys away. Sodies. And that's right. That's I know. What, that's what I'm like. People never have to be worried. Like, are you bringing boys over? Like, no, <laughs> no, there's no boys coming over. It's an oasis. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they, they're scared. They're terrified. Like, oh, the only so friend funny. that's come over is like, you know, like, like the gay musical theater guys. And like, that's it. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, this is this. great. I yeah. Love this. Like, love this for you. <laughs> that's, that's so it. good. Even my boyfriend who I live with says, I don't feel like it's my house. I feel like you decorated it like for you. And I was like, who bought all the decorations, bitch? This is how <laughs> I want it. Who ate them all as well? <laughs> <laughs> that was the nastiest laugh. How did we get here? I, I mean, it's cleaner than last conversation from earlier. I'm so glad we cleaned it up for my podcast. Yeah, I know. Which is the one that makes less sense to be clean. I was going to say, that's inverse, but you know, we're inverse, switching it up. Here hey, we are. Here we are. We're having a great time. Here we are. Monica, that's disgusting. I'm so but sorry. Yeah. This, you don't have headphones in, so you can't hear this, though. I know, but poor Dalton can. Our producer can. I'm so He's, sorry. Cut that shit out immediately. <laughs> I ah. had to do ASMR for a commercial one, <gasps> and everyone was and you said, so, so uncomfortable. So you said no to my foot pic commercial. Whoa! And yes to I ASMR. said free feet pics, and you didn't. You didn't automatically just say come on over. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be like needy. Bucks. Are you kidding me? Wait, you just said be needy. Bucks. Well, not in that way. Is <laughs> this good? cue to be done? Oh, did it turn off? No, no, no. I'm Oh, okay. My posture's been terrible this whole time. I'm sorry. I'm a little gremlin. Gremlin. And I'm gremlin top, girly. So. That's why I didn't wear a crop top today because I know I'm like, oh, if I'm sitting, it's the abs are not going to be there. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know how I got on this topic, but you look beautiful, so you don't need to worry about that. You look beautiful. Man. Your Thank hair's you. gorgeous. So. <laughs> I don't have questions. <laughs> I'm like, depression, abuse, my husband hit me. Anyways, um, Sodi. We're <laughs> like, what is the genre of this episode, man? You know what? I'm I've taken the on genre so many tangents. Because, like, it's so hard to pick. I'm a silly, I goofy hate it. gal, but I do want to cover, like, heavier topics. Yeah. So it is kind of like. Silly, goofy with a little bit of depression. I think it's like kind of refreshing. I hope my audience, because my audience gets that. They're like down to clown. Like we'll Well, like joke about our trauma. The 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 um the videos you do about like training your boyfriend, training your boyfriend, gentle parenting. Gentle parenting. Those videos are hilarious, but they're also like, oh my gosh, I hate this. It's so real and so sad. That in a good way. Yeah. Because honestly, there have been a lot of people in the comments that are like, oh my God, I have to do this. And I, then people follow no, up and are like, get seriously out. implementing it? Yeah. There are people that are like, if you have to bribe your boyfriend to love you with Robux, you should probably dump him. And then people are like, oh shit, I didn't dump know that. Ass. So oh, no. 
I think like, I thought these were how-to videos. Yeah, <laughs> so not comedy. Yeah, I, I guess I. That's how I. This is how your audience rolls, and this we, is how know. we roll. Or yeah. like, I'll post an almond mom, and somebody will be like, oh, "I'm an almond mom. Shit, I need to do some healing." So that's, that's kind of great. Like, You're spreading awareness. I know. In through a, the weirdest in a weird way, way possible. <laughs> so I guess that's kind of how this loops in. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I also apologize for taking out tangents, but I was okay. No, don't apologize. I made your, let's plug it now. Monica okay. has a podcast called That's More Like It. Yeah. I am a guest mm-hmm. and we film for three hours because we're just good <laughs> friends like that. You're not going to get, maybe I'll put it on Patreon, like the access <laughs> to the three hour episode. There's a paywall, three dollars. Okay. Wallet. Yeah. A dollar per hour. <laughs> a dollar per hour. I made mean, all three bucks on this. <laughs> That'll be crazy. <laughs> of the like, how many people do you think would pay the three dollars for the three hour episode? I think I could get five. I don't know if I can get five. Actually, no, there's some. I'm like, uh, there's like some creepy guys from across the country that probably, oh. you know. Yeah. I, like, I, I have like people like that. You're like, oh, man, they'd probably they watch it over hard. on repeat. And that's where all the. Yeah. 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 Do you. Oh, I kind of. <laughs> is it weird that I kind of welcome it? It's like, you're so beautiful and gorgeous. Please marry me. And I'm just like. Oh my god! Oh you my think god, I'm pretty? You pretty? <laughs> it's like there's no confidence boost, and this is like the ta- the toxic feminine part of me, where it's like if I ever feel ugly, I can just go to a gas station, and someone's gonna want to marry me. <laughs> They're probably high and uh, probably a scary pedophile, but. but... <laughs> <laughs> That's living in Denver. I like know where I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk. Uh, down like the scary road when oh. I feel bad about myself and just be like, <coughs> think I'm skinny. You think, <laughs> you think my ass is fat? All, All right. right. <laughs> this whole thing? Okay. Okay. I have a boyfriend. Yeah. But. Hey, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> or you're like, dude, you need to give me more attention because you've got some competition yeah, down exactly. the street and back in that alley. <laughs> Your competition's on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right there. Right there. All Step the boys. Anyway. I, I feel like we've gotten to know our dating styles very well just from this. I know. Like, I am hyper insecure. I go to gas stations in the middle of the night. Scary. Okay, it's so a TikTok are you- sound. Oh, but I probably can't say that word. It's like, this is why you keep getting molested. Have you seen that TikTok sound? No! Oh, I want a different for you page. <laughs> yeah, I know. We should do a segment where we just scroll each other's for you page and see what <gasps> we can learn. That's actually brilliant. I learn so much from people's for you page. Sometimes I'm like, oh. Let's do that I at the end. This. And then if it okay. isn't a part of the podcast, we can both post it on our TikToks <gasps> and it'll be hilarious. so funny. Mine's like probably... Not exciting right now, though. It's all like therapy stuff. Well, sorry. I don't actually. There could be some fun stuff in there. There might be a dance or two. You watch TikTok or the thirst trap of a little bit, but did you shuffle your toes? 
I mean, I danced once and I like wish I still was a dancer, but oh, I, I remember like, when we first met, not to interrupt, we, we did a TikTok dance together and oh I did butcher it so bad. I forgot about that. I remember like, this is so cool. We're so cool. We're so cool. We're dancing in 60s attire. Everyone's going to love this. And they're like, we had to so do it like 30 times. 30 times. And it was because of me. <laughs> I don't think it was because of you. It was bad. It oh, was well, really bad. I was trying too hard, though. We were doing the one that was like, <laughs> ratchet. Uh, so what was happening? That's so embarrassing. Anyway, that was bad. Yeah, watch. I pull up my for you page, and that for some reason <laughs> comes up. I'm like, no, delete it. No, and I'm like, yeah, damn. Maybe they should ban this app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that whole thing is a whole thing. I know. We're I think so you've posted screwed. about that. I know. I'm a little oh, I've posted about scared. it several times. I watched nearly the entire live stream. It's kind of hilarious. It's like it's terrifying, but it's like this is so. Can you access the Wi-Fi <laughs> through your phone? My favorite was. The Benadryl challenge. Wait, I have you heard this. of the Benadryl challenge? And how many kids has that killed on TikTok? Oh my gosh. I don't even know about the Benadryl challenge. I know. How do we do either. it? Should we do it? <laughs> we can mix it with Tide Pods. Oh yes, my gosh. A great Tide smoothie. Tide Pods was Facebook. So they're bringing this up That's and they're like. That's true. And they have investments in Meta. So I don't know exactly what they're talking what about. Is. Oh my gosh. This I, got political. We're like, you know what? <laughs> it's not political. That was a bipartisan issue. Yeah, you're right. You're very right. Yeah. I'm so I guess it is it. political, but not in a controversial way. Cause no. Because I don't think everybody's against Everyone's this. pissed off. Plus, now I really like what's his bucket. Yeah. The guy he's cool. that saved it. Apparently, yeah. he's like a total douche most of the time. But Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard he's not he cool. Probably besides is. That, he's probably he, like a bro, you know, like yeah. in not a good way. Yeah. He probably has some. I've heard he's ha- he has some like wild, horrible takes. But then that I'm like. Mm, he's saving my I career. Robotus. <laughs> I don't know why. That's what it is. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like anyway, but I guess he's a douchebag. Give so. him a chance. Yeah. If he gives me my TikTok app. My TikTok bag. <laughs> why does it have to track your eyes? <laughs> what is this AI filter. recognition filter? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're all screwed. It's okay. It's okay. It's gonna be fine. I don't know how to segue this back into the series. (laughs) I don't know what was your next question. Okay, but actually, this is amazing that you're able to like laugh at yourself. You're able to like just have such a positive, fun attitude. Which, oh, and you've only been three years removed. Like that's pretty phenomenal. Do you think that's? Do you have advice to people who? are maybe still dealing with that trauma following them? I know you said therapy, meditation. Is there is there anything else that you would suggest? Oh, I mean, you know, I'm no therapist. And I never want to come on here and act like I'm the ultimate source for anything. So I think always, like, take from multiple sources. But and it's obviously different if you have kids. That's a lot right. harder yeah, of a thing. And I think there are people who would be better to ask if you do have kids in a divorce process. Um, But I think a huge thing recovering from like any sort of trauma is finding purpose. And like it's huge. And it's it's especially, you know, the exciting thing about divorce 
you know, <laughs> which sounds weird to say. The say exciting it. thing is you kind of get like a chance to start over that because, you know, when you've picked a partner, like you're the rest of your life is dictated by the person you marry, like right. by both of you. Right. Should yeah, be. Yeah. But, but it's really fun and exciting when you do have a chance to go. I, I get a blank canvas and that can be oh daunting, gosh. but it's like, how cool is it that like you get to learn so much and now it's like you get to do things and set things off a second time so much better, so much stronger with more depth. I keep saying like to people when they're like, oh, I feel broken. I feel like I'm ruined and I'm damaged and there's something at my core that's wrong. And it's like, no, you just have more depth. Wow, that is such a fun and cool perspective because so many people are like, oh, I'm not ready. I, I mm-hmm. don't want to throw it all away. Like it's like that sunk cost theory. Yes, yes. Like, you can get stuck oh, in that. We, I, we've been here for five years. I don't want to throw the last f- five years away. But the thought of that's so positive to think it's exciting to start over because not mm-hmm. very many people get that chance. And you no. can really you've you are one of the people who've done something amazing with that. Yeah. And the thing is, not everyone has to like speak on it, but, but even just, you know, I I, like have friends where it's like with their kids, even though they're not publicly speaking on abuse, it's like, how great of an example is that to your kids to say, you can get married or be in a relationship, have chosen the wrong person, been naive, learn from it, grow from it, educate yourself and set boundaries and say, no, I deserve better. And how great of an example is that? And how much better are your kids' relationships going to be by seeing you like live that? Yeah. I like think it's that's, not a waste. You're not throwing anything no, away. You're just I redirecting. Really? A lot of people are worried about the kids, like you said, but in a lot of situations, that's a great lesson for them. Would you say? There's so many people that I've had reach out to me and say, I wish my parents would have gotten divorced sooner. Oh, shoot. Where they're like, it's like, and, you know, some of them have said, like, they've sent their stuff to their parents or to their mom to be like, hey, like, I think this is happening to you. Yeah. And then to see how much happier and how much healthier and, like, to see their parents, you know, get into a healthy relationship and how much better the family dynamic is. Because I think a lot of people go, oh, we'll, we'll stay together for the kids. And that's a nuanced thing. But... I've seen like firsthand a lot of people personally who are like actually like staying together when it's abusive is just enabling a space for the abuse to continue behind closed doors often. Yeah. And that's way worse for the kids than just. Yeah. And it's nuanced. And I don't want to like give all like, you know, because there are exceptions. But I do think a lot of people go, oh, like I can't because the kids or like I'm wasting or I'm ruining the family. And it's like, how cool is it that like. You can show your kids, you know, especially your daughters, that it's like, I don't have to stay with someone just because I chose them initially. Wow. So you've learned so much and you have so much information and you're so good about sharing it. How has all of this education and experience affected your dating life now? Uh, I think I think there's a combination where it's. I, I had a lot of talks with my therapist of like, I'm so scared of repeating it. Uh-huh. And at the same time, there's like a lot of duality where it's like, I'm so scared of, of repeating it. Cause it's like, what if I do the same thing? Thing is I'm not going to do the same thing. And because I'm aware now and that's mm-hmm. such a superpower where as before going into dating, like you just kind of assume like, you know what a good partner is. And I think everyone does where it's like, well, love just kind of like happens and like it works out when you know, you know, and it's so unhelpful. And the thing is now it's like 
actually when I know, I know. And when it's not, I also know. So are you quick to, mm, you're not right, we're done? Um, I am definitely a person that that gives things more time, probably more than most people or more than I should, for sure. Okay. Um, but I'm much better at mm-hmm. setting boundaries or like seeing red flags for what they are and like just being okay saying, yeah, I'm not interested That's and pushing great. things further. Whereas, you know, and it's, it's not like a perfect thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, you got in a bad relationship once. So therefore like, you're never going to like yeah. make mistakes or you're going to have a perfect lens or you're going to find someone right away and just know like it's, it's not like that, but like, it's so much more clear. Right. Which is like, it's it's way less scary because it's like now I know like and if if I date someone and something isn't going right, like I can like call it out for what it is and stop it. Yeah. What are some red flags that you are looking for now in your current dating life? Um, I think a huge thing I, I kind of like paid attention to a lot of the themes within my marriage that were really a hindrance to me. Um especially like in regards to like I am career driven mm-hmm. that it like that is something that's a part of yes, me and sir. it's not going to go away. And um, I think it's really deciphering people who say they're supportive of that versus who mean it. And it's kind of paying attention to their action. Like, are they only there for me in my lowest or are they also there for me when I'm doing well? Oh, wow. And I think especially like, and I think women run into this often where it's like, I, I want to be able to do the same thing you're doing and be supported in it and, and not have it be a competition where it's like, we can both just praise each other in our successes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a huge theme for me. And I think in Utah, especially it's, it's tricky with like traditional roles when I'm like, I don't want to be a stay at home mom. And so it's just being honest and upfront with people as well from my end, just saying like, this is what I do and don't want. Wow. Do you think that would work for most people to just set that expectation of like, Hey, I'm a career girl, Mm -hmm. do it or don't. Do you think that's something that is a skill a lot of people should learn for their dating lives? I don't think you should necessarily like tell someone you just started dating, like, here's what I want in a person, mm-hmm. like directly, because oftentimes people just try and become that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you have to be wary of that. Like, I don't tell, I don't like go on a date and go, here's what I want in a man. And it, often guys will ask, like, what, what, do, are you, you what are you looking for? for? And it's like, I just want to set up a situation where we both will be ourselves the most. And then can decide, because we have access to truth, what gotcha. we want. And so um, I I now kind of like cut through some of the crap where it's like, oh, like we're just having fun and whatever, where it's more like, let's get to know each other. Like, and I'm going to ask you like some of the hard questions, like feasible things like, do you want kids? Do you yeah. not want kids? Like, what does that look like for you? What does parenthood look like to you? Or like, what does your day today look like? What have your past relationships looked like? That's something I ask about now where I like didn't before where it was like, Oh, like all of his girlfriends were crazy. I guess they just were crazy instead of going, what did that look like? Like what's the common denominator? yeah, Yeah. Or, or even, you know, there's other people where it's like, they've also been divorced and it's like, like why? Yeah. What happened? What did you learn from it? Even me where it's like, 
you know, even when you've been in a, an abusive relationship, I had to learn so much too. The abuse mm-hmm. isn't my fault, but like yeah. there was so much I had to learn and faults that I had that were independent of the relationship gotcha. that I was able to learn from. And I think a huge thing is like trying to decipher people and their relationships and are they self-aware? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people where it's kind of eye-opening when you like ask them questions about their past relationships and they just have like never thought about it. And it's wow. like, so what was like the biggest mistake you made in your last relationship? And it's like, but they I've have heard no that's idea. Why, that's why therapy is so helpful because therapy is very much about self-awareness. It is. That's if you what, go to a good therapist, yeah. some of them will just like validate you even if you're crazy, but finding a good therapist, <laughs> not all therapists are created equal. I will say that much. Um, but I think it's really finding the key themes yeah. that you want in a person. So it's like if it's self-awareness, mm-hmm. consideration, effort, things like that, where it's not so much a checklist before it used to kind of be like a checklist of like, okay, like college educated and yeah, blonde hair and like nice. Yeah. And it was kind of uh, superficial in a way where it's like, what are the themes? I want mm-hmm. someone who is, has a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I want someone who understands autonomy and respects that for other people. I right. want someone who a huge thing as well. That's a really great trick is not trick, but like to be aware of that, the person you're dating and their relationship with their family and how they feel about their relationship with their family. Yeah. And how they feel about their parents' relationship. So it's it's interesting now in hindsight looking at, you know, the dynamics with people I've dated and their their relationship dynamics and being able to look at it now and go, oh, my gosh, I could have seen all the red flags had I just asked them how they felt about their family dynamic and the wow. role they played in their family and how they felt about their parents' marriage. Do you think their parents' marriage often is like they reflect it. Yeah, they try to reflect their parents. They, I don't even think they try. I think it's just a subconscious thing that you'll just reflect if, if you're not proactive and self-aware, if you're just right. kind of, which a lot of people aren't, they just kind of like yeah. go about their day. And, and if you haven't gone to therapy or if you haven't done the work and then you haven't had like true deep thought and reflection, hence why I think meditation is also good. It's not just like a, like it can be very purposeful mm-hmm. as opposed to just like breathing. It's like, yeah. no, like trying to really analyze your life. Um, so I think looking at the family dynamic and how, especially, you know, if you're dating a guy, like his relationship with his mother and how he feels about, well, if his mom's a stay at home mom and you don't want to be a stay at home mom, how does he feel about his mother? If his mother decided to change course, like it's really interesting to kind of see the kind of people reveal themselves and how they feel about their family. That's super Super good advice. And it feels like something a lot of these listeners can take home and be like, ooh, these are the questions I need to be asking that somebody who hasn't dealt with that before probably wouldn't think to look for. Like, I mean, I, I didn't either. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. And like, I kind of just assumed I did. Like you find someone who's like nice and supportive, but it's it's a different thing figuring out what that looks like. I would also, I'm a huge advocate for books, reading books, yeah. because a lot of the the content we consume nowadays is like short form, quick. It's not very thorough or nuanced. Uh-huh. And I think books give you the context you need to really learn and apply in your real life. And so like a book I've been recommending to a lot of people lately that everyone should read regardless of 
getting married or not getting married, if you've been in an abusive relationship or not, it's a mm-hmm. great book that can apply to any relationship. It's called Controlling People by Patricia Evans. Okay. And um, it kind of talks about the psychology and dynamics behind how and why and when people become controlling or lacking autonomy. And it's crazy reading the book because you start seeing all of these patterns Mm -hmm. in like little things in your day to day with others that like you never noticed before of like, oh, I'm realizing that like I am actually not setting a boundary here. I'm being controlling. And like, okay, so you would say you find control in yourself, not like this was helpful to stop being a controller. It's it's it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And I like the book because it's not it's not black and white where it's like here's the bad people, here's the good people. It's like, we all have these tendencies and here's how to spot it and here's how to oh, stop it in okay. yourself and like set boundaries to stop it in other people as well. Wow. And I say that book specifically just because like earlier we were talking about connection. Like mm-hmm. connection is for me, like that is the depth of love and vulnerability and it's the antithesis of disconnection. Disconnection is control. And like this book really breaks that down in a way that's just like so she articulates it so much better than I do. But um, anytime we are trying to externally control anything or anyone like we are stopping ourselves from being connected and we're stopping ourselves from like actual vulnerability, actual love. It's just feigned. I I think sometimes when you're being subjected to that you're like oh this feels weird and I don't know why yeah right but yeah. I like what you said about reading a book gives you the context to apply it to your life because if I just saw a TikTok that was like three reasons why you know I'm gonna see it and be like oh couldn't be me mm-hmm. but I love that you're saying the books give you more context give you more black and white or you see a TikTok and it's like if your boyfriend does these five things he doesn't love you but if you yeah. were to actually read the book you would probably have more context to, well maybe maybe there's some nuance here I, yeah. I love that you're saying that and that's such such a good tip um I think a lot of people see you as like an internet big sister. Like, I think you're a huge positive role model. I don't have a little sister, so I always like hearing that. We're like, oh, okay. I always wanted to be like a big sister. That's totally your brand. Because you have like the best advice and you're so open about everything. Like, I feel like I've been on this journey with you and I think Mm. a lot of your followers do. So what is like rapid fire? Give me like... A couple life advice tips. It doesn't have to be on any specific topic, but I just want to hear like top five life hacks, life advice. Okay. Read, read a lot. Uh, And I say that, and that can be fiction. That can be how to, that can be whatever it is. But a theme that I noticed in fine, like picking out, you know, pick out like your top five people that you look up to. What are the common denominators? And for me, it was all of the people that I'd selected that I was looking up to were avid readers. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I want to read and it can be anything, but there's something about the power of reading as opposed to consuming content other ways that I just think is great for your imagination. You also fun, random fact, um, you breathe differently when you read a physical book than you do on your phone. And you do like, I can't remember where uh, it was on someone's podcast Um, where you do like a double inhale, like subconsciously, that is actually like really 
good for your body oh. and and like wow. processes oxygen to your brain differently. So you process information better when you're reading a physical book. Audible is great too. Wow. But like there's yeah. actual like studies if behind the like there's so it. many benefits of like and the thing is, a lot of people do have the time. Like, how much time do we, we spend, spend on, TikTok? on TikTok? It's like, <laughs> allocate, like, actually look at your day and how much yeah. time you're spending on things you don't need to be and prioritize. Because I think a lot of people go, I don't have time. And it's like, there's so much time if you just put your phone down. Yeah. And, you know, it's different when it, you're using it for work. But how much time is productive and how much time is not? For sure. So I would, I would read um, another thing. You you did put a question down on the list that there was one thing I wanted to talk about with confidence. Yes. There's a weird hack that I do and I started doing this in high school and basically, so like as an actress, like to play certain roles, there's like different little exercises and things I do to try and get myself into that mind and that state, especially like let's say I'm playing a really confident character like that is like maybe not like me that's like overtly confident and not verified blue (laughs) oh my gosh the character work I did for her but I I had a moment where I was like I just want to be like confident and comfortable and like okay being social with people and not so worried all the time about every little thing that I can't function Mm -hmm. and so I was like well what if like you know, that like the pretty girls that you see that are like so confident and beautiful and they just seem to have every, everything going for them. And I was like, well, what if yeah. I just, what, what if I swap bodies for them for a day? Like, how would my life be different if I just got to live in their life? And then I realized I was like, well, I can't do that. But what if I just pretend? Like, what if I'm just delusional, delusional enough to like pretend I freaky Friday'd with my ideal person and how oh. I would act as them as a character? Wow, living as the best version of yourself. But literally, like, if you just, which sounds a little delusional, but it's like you have to start pretending to be the person you want to be before you become them. Yeah. And so a huge thing for me, when I do get in, like, a kind of retreated space or closed off is Mm -hmm. just, like, acting my way. And I don't mean just, like, fake it where you're like, "I, I hate this. I don't feel confident. It's like you start thinking okay what does a confident person think and I'll just like oh, start repeating that's those things huge. or like what would the best version of myself be doing right yeah now? she wouldn't be crying mm-hmm. looking at other people on Instagram she would yeah. be doing something fun yeah yeah totally and wow. I feel like that's been like weirdly helpful because I noticed when I if I'm doing a movie with a confident character I'm like the kind of person that's like constantly thinking about Mm-hmm. the movie and it's always in my head and I'm trying to think of yeah, the scenes and what more, I'm doing. You're taking that home with you. And I take it home with me and so when, when I'm oh, I, I try not to but like I've noticed with like confident characters like I'm like way more social. I'm like I'm on a high. I'm doing great and then it's like oh if I just do that every day. Yeah if I just like figure Show out what that. I want my character to be right. in my real life and just like I'm an actor. I can do that. And then I start feeling better and start feeling more confident and it just kind of follows. So wow, that's a weird I hack. I want to try that one. You should try that one. And you're an I actress too, so you would get it. Yeah. <laughs> get into it. That was me getting to, I do that before I film every TikTok. Oh, just do you? This is your little like. I go, no, I beginning go, everybody scene. be quiet. I can hear you breathing. <sighs> Ring light. I'm so sorry for your boyfriend. Ding. He's just in there alone like, I didn't do anything. I know. I'm like, Mitchell, film it again. That angle sucked. 
You should know, this lighting is backlit. Wipe off the camera. It got, has that blurry light thingy that I hate. <laughs> this is not Alex Erling enough. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do like one more piece of big sister advice. Okay. And we'll be done. Um, The last piece of big sister advice. I had it in my head and I've forgotten it. But I would say um, finding ways to, again, going back to the theme of like connection I think it is a cure for so much crap. So, like, if you're depressed and anxious, it's like the TikTok joke that I've seen people, like a TikTok sound that was trending that was like, turns out if you wake up at a good time, get good sleep, drink water, you actually do feel better. And it's just kind of like, if you're struggling, like, maybe, like, put your phone down for the day. See what happens. Do little things, like, get up first thing in the morning. Don't look at your phone. Go out in the sun. Go for a walk. It's little things like that. Like read a book, touch some grass. And it sounds so simple and stupid, but I honestly feel like so much of so many of us are in a hamster wheel and we're yeah. like on autopilot. And it's like, well, of course we're like going to struggle because we're so disconnected and going through the motions. And, mm-hmm. and I also think like a huge thing to like help yourself is to help other people. And I know that sounds tacky, but like, if no, you're helping actually, someone like, else, you kind of don't basics. like have time to be like, my life sucks because you're like, you know, cleaning someone's toilet. Like right. you just don't have right. time. <laughs> and then like at the end of the day, it really does make you feel better to make somebody else happy. Because you have purpose, like right. just finding purpose yeah. and stuff. Like I think and I think purpose goes along with connection. It's like, who do you want to help in the world? OK, you're an actress, but like why? What's the deeper meaning to that? And I think right. then, you know, you can come home at the end of a long day and feel like, OK, like I actually am allowed to like play and enjoy things. And because I feel that purpose. So, I, you know, I don't know. No, I think I it's think the basic things. And I think it's just doing them. basics. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. People were so much happier. I don't want to like didn't have stuff. And sometimes I'm like, maybe I should join an Amish community because honestly, (laughs) like sometimes I'm like, I think they're happier, you know, (laughs) but it's true that I'm like, how, like, I I don't think back to basics getting up in the morning and like looking at TikTok, like we were just not designed to like constantly compare ourselves with maze runner at the bottom with subway (laughs) surfers at the bottom half. We weren't supposed to do that. Wait, I haven't seen this. Oh, what? Well, I'll show you. We have different (laughs) feet. Okay. We'll do a sec. We'll do a bit about that, but that's hilarious. Monica, it has been so amazing. This is like one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. (gasps) Really? Do you say that to everybody? Can you find the other clips where she said that to everybody? (laughs) It has been amazing to have you. Your story is amazing. And I'm so excited to see how this episode can help all of our viewers. And yeah, thank you so much for coming. It's been amazing. Get a divorce. Just kidding. Don't do it. (gasps) (laughs) And scene. And scene.